Warning. This episode contains a scene of implied sexual violence. Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Cronomier, Goddess of Victory Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 3 The Queen The professor awoke in a large tent. The chill of the morning gripped her as she returned to consciousness. Raising herself up from the blankets on which she had been placed, a shock of pain stung her side where she'd been injured in the crash. She instinctively put a hand to the wound and found that she was no longer dressed in her Victorian shirt and waistcoat, but a rough tunic. Lifting it, she uncovered a primitive bandage tied over the cut. A deep wound, said a voice close by, but it shall heal. Looking up, the professor saw a tall woman in a sage green tunic standing by the opening of the tent. Her vivid red hair fell upon her shoulders, from which hung a heavy cape clasped by a metal brooch. A sword hung by her side. Images from a dozen history books stirred in the professor's memory, and a smile broke free upon her face. Queen Boudicca? she inquired. You are not known by my people, the queen replied, a coy grin of her own emerging. She walked further into the tent, moving like a well-fed cat pondering the last mouse. And yet you resemble no Roman I've ever laid eyes upon. I'm a traveller, the professor said in a strategic manoeuvre with the truth. From whence? Boudicca insisted. The Catavaluni, the professor countered. Who fought our noble Roman masters? For shame, Boudicca grinned, but her levity was hardened in an instant. Are you of the number who bent their knee? No, insisted the professor, and so I travel, for I have no tribe. She recalled the ambush shortly after her and Astrid's arrival. I'm afraid it makes me something of an easy target for the interloping army. Boudicca was silent for a moment passing judgment on the stranger's story. What is your name? I am Professor Cronomier. Professor? Boudicca's brow rose. Our word for, um... The professor scanned her memory for an ancient adage. Lothu, slave of knowledge. A teacher. Teacher. Boudicca mused upon the word for a while, and then unsheathed her sword. The professor offered no flinch of protest. There could be no indication of fear or guilt. Boudicca held the heavy blade out beside her and then plunged it into the ground. Very well, then, she declared. Welcome, teacher. You know of me? Many stories abound of the Queen of the Iceni, the professor replied with a hint of awe. But words passed from mouth to mouth cannot always be trusted. Very wise, Boudicca agreed. 
I find it best to hear report first-hand, the professor continued, and so I travel. Tell me, Boudicca mused, pacing slowly around the tent. What reports have you heard? The professor paused. She knew of Boudicca from the scant and unreliable accounts of her history, but had no firm notion of what year her ship had landed in. To talk of the relative future could throw this seeming truce into jeopardy. But Boudicca talked scathingly of the Roman occupiers, and the tent they stood in suggested the Iceni were on the move. During the uprising, then. I know that King Prasatagus is dead, she said slowly, monitoring Boudicca's face for any flicker of reaction, and that the Roman armies have pillaged the kingdom of the Iceni. So now you fight, alongside the tree of Antes to— You call it pillaging? snapped Boudicca, who reached out and grabbed the professor by her tunic, raising her up so that their faces met. The captive traveller winced as the wound in her side throbbed. Boudicca hesitated, and then let go. In the brief bout of fury, a necklace had appeared from inside the queen's tunic. The professor was smoothing down her own ruffled clothes when she spotted it. It was a length of leather string threaded through a curious metal shape. It was a thick, round, flat ring, with notches cut regularly around its circumference. On the inner side of the ring were tiny ball bearings, connecting it to a second, smaller ring that could revolve around it inside the first. It was a shape she recognised. "'Where did you get that?' she asked as calmly as she could. Boudicca took the pendant in her hand and beheld it proudly. "'It was a gift. Given to me by Andraste.' The professor once again scoured her knowledge of history. "'The goddess of victory?' she asked of herself, and watched as Boudicca bowed her head in reverence. "'I've heard of gifts left to gods, but not the other way round.' She could see the remark irked her captor and so quickly changed the subject, though her mind was troubled. Tell me, then, what is your story? Give me the true report. Boudicca pondered the request for a few moments, and then motioned for the professor to sit down on the blankets she had slept upon. The queen then seated herself on the other side of the tent, and began to speak. My husband was no fool, she began. When the Romans came, he knew that to resist their rule was to consign each man, woman, and child of the Iceni to death. He submitted to them, and in return they did not trouble us. We retained our kingdom, our way of life. Then came his passing, and in his wake, the Romans. The professor's gaze was fixed on the pendant, which dangled on the leather string. To her amazement, the inner disc began slowly to spin and the faintest silvery glow spread across its surface. Wondering if some delirium had befallen her as a result of the injury, she closed her eyes tightly. When she reopened them, the tent was gone. She and Boudicca were standing now, still facing one another. Boudicca's eyes were closed in concentration as she continued her tale. All around them the professor saw carnage. Roman soldiers were ransacking a large settlement she guessed at once to be the Iceni stronghold. Boudicca's memories were being projected all around them. They unleashed their fury upon us, the Queen continued. No time given to debate or to bargain. They ripped us apart. The glowing necklace flared. The scene around them shifted and blurred, and they found themselves before a tower of flame that had once been a home. An echo of the woman Boudicca had once been was being held on her knees by two Roman soldiers, whilst a third beat her with a lash. 
Each strike came down hard on her back, subsumed by the sickening render of skin. The captured queen growled in pain, determined not to scream. But soon it came, a howl that clutched at the professor's throat and held it until tears formed in her eyes. She knew what came next. Once again the mysterious totem around Boudicca's neck flashed and the memory shifted. Now the professor was stood behind the wounded Boudicca. In the distance, two young girls, her daughters, were being dragged towards a thicket by a group of guffawing soldiers. The professor's chest stung as though a great stone were pressing down upon it. Another building erupted in a torrent of fire and smoke obscured the retreating group as the sound of clothes torn from bodies scratched through the memory like a jagged, poisonous thorn. I swore I would repay their pains a thousandfold on each and every soldier. The meditating Boudicca wept as her pendant continued its projection of her memories. They escalated now. A mother sat by a fireside with her daughters held tightly. A storm of fury began to gather as armies massed to mount a rebellion. And then cities began to fall. The professor could not identify them by image alone, but knew Camula Dunham would be the first, and then Londinium. The rebellion erupted around her in a wave of battle cries, decimation and bloodshed. For in this age, cruelty would be met with its reflection. Blood truly would have blood. The professor turned to look at the city burning around her, sending black smoke churning into the air and blocking out the sun. The rebellion had moved on. The memory would soon fade. But then a shadow moved in the corner of her eye. She turned and saw a figure silhouetted against the flames. Something about it struck her. Something at once familiar and long forgotten. And then it spoke. Elizabeth. That voice. It can't be, the professor whispered. Where are you? The figure held out a hand towards Boudicca who was still standing, eyes closed, across from the professor. At once the pendant around her neck began to glow, and the inner disc span faster and faster. Silver light shone from within it and bathed the professor. She looked back to the shadow, and for a moment she thought she could see a face within it. That face. And then it was gone. The tent returned. The professor and Boudicca were sat as before, and the metal disc hanging around her neck was still. Boudicca opened her eyes. You know my story, she said simply. Has it passed truthfully to other kingdoms? No report could confer the truth of it, the professor said sadly, for pain is all too difficult to set into words. Perhaps if it weren't, we would be more mindful of causing it. She was once again looking at the pendant and pondering the shadow in the memory. Boudicca followed her gaze, and tucked the necklace away in her tunic. We march soon for Verulamium. I know, the professor sighed, then caught herself. I have heard word of your army's plans. You will accompany us, stated Boudicca. I... I cannot. I'm so sorry, the professor replied. A friend of mine was taken by those Roman soldiers you saved me from. I must find her. We will rid this land of invaders, Boudicca said darkly. We will soon chance upon your friend. For now. For now you will be of service to me. My duty binds me to the rebellion. But my daughters? Why, they would do well in your company. 
teacher. Once again the professor pondered Boudicca's necklace. Like herself, it didn't belong in this time. But how had it reached it? Was it linked with the fractures she had seen on the Time River? And then that face in the shadows. That face. That voice. Very well, she said cheerily. I shall help them where I can. And do call me Professor. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, Goddess of Victory, an Unbound Theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs>